three things that influence this household. And, and so this is going to be very simple this morning. Uh, I won't keep you very long, um, but let me just share this. Number one, this man, this nobleman demonstrated a courageous faith, a bold faith. Think about this. The Bible tells us here that Jesus was departing out of Judea. He had been in chapter, uh, earlier in chapter 4, he met this woman of Samaria. He's up there talking to all these people. He gets to the end of this whole situation, and the Bible says that he departed out thence and went to Galilee. And he even says in verse number 44 that Jesus testified and said basically he has no honor in his own country. Jesus left this area because, quite honestly, the people didn't hold him in high regard. They didn't give him much value. They didn't give him much respect. So Jesus said, fine, I'm going to go. I'm going to go into Galilee because in Galilee, when he went up to the Feast of Cana and he turned the water into wine, all the people of Galilee came and marveled. Whoa, who is this guy? What has he done? They're all excited about this man that could come turn water into wine and do all these things at this feast. And so when he went into Galilee, all the people wanted to come flock to Jesus in that area. And the Bible says that he came back to that exact place in Cana. He knew that in Cana, man, everybody's going to come. And then Jesus knew he'd have an audience. And not an audience of pride or audience, but an audience to be able to minister and to work with people and to do miracles and do things that would glorify God and, and draw them to him. And this man, this nobleman, lives in Capernaum. Capernaum is about 16 miles away from Cana. Now, I don't know about you, but we all say right now, oh, 16 miles, it's not a big deal. Back then, 16 miles meant something. Uh, you didn't just get up one day and say, okay, I'll travel 16 miles and then 16 miles back home, and that'll be a day's worth of work. You didn't do that. If you went even just 16 miles, it was probably a couple days trip at least. Probably a couple days to get there, and then probably you stay there a little bit, and you're going to come back. You're not going to just do that in one day. Anybody walk 16 miles? I mean, back then they did all the time. Or they took camels or whatever, but it, it wasn't just an easy journey. And again, 16 miles. But that would seem like ages of time to travel that. This man, he says, I hear Jesus is down there. This is a noble man. He had money. He had possessions. He had probably access to all the physicians, all the uh, different people in the medical field, all the people within the kingdom. Uh, uh, everywhere he wanted, he could have went. Nothing was going to take care of his son. He says, I have to go down and see Jesus. I have to go down and see Jesus Christ and see what he can do. And so the Bible says that when Jesus came into Galilee, he went unto him. This man traveled 16 miles. He came, and he came before Jesus, and he, the Bible says he besought him. His, his faith was courageous because his faith was desperate. The Bible says he besought him. The word besought means to beg. This was a nobleman. Anybody ever had a politician come beg something from you? We know that they beg for votes, and they beg for fundraising, but they ever came and begged for you to do something for them? No? You ever seen a CEO of a company come into your office and sit there and beg something from you? They would think, why would I ever do that? And you would think, why would they ever do that? <laughs> Who am I? Why would they ever come? Listen, this guy had authority. He had power. He had possessions. He had anything he could probably want to command of anybody within his area of Capernaum, within whatever his rule or realm was. And yet he came and begged. He came and begged and pleaded with Jesus. Come do something for my son. Come do something for my boy. 
come and heal him. For we, he was at the point of, of death. It was, he was desperate. Um, our, th- our fourth oldest is Caleb. Caleb Joshua. When Sonia was pregnant with Caleb, she had, a, she had her normal ultrasounds and things. And there came a point in time where uh, in one of the ultrasounds, they found something alarming and concerning. And that was that his heart did not seem to be taking shape as it should be. And so we had to go through all these different ultrasounds and different tests. And, and basically what we found out is he had what's called transposition of the greater vessels. And so two of his vessels were actually swapped so that when air would go through, the air that's supposed to go to his brain would actually go to his lungs, and the air that was supposed to go to his lungs would actually go to his brain, and it would actually then get crossed, and then he would, basically if he was born like that, within three days he would suffocate to death. He would not be able to breathe and, and hold oxygen. And so we found that out a couple months before he was born, and so we had to make all these arrangements, and when Caleb was born, within about 40 minutes, we got to, Sonia got to hold him for about 30, 40 minutes, I got to uh, snuggle with him real quick, and then we had to put him onto a transport and take him to Phoenix Children's Hospital, and I can show you pictures of all the amount of IVs and things that were inside of him, and they had to do open-heart surgery. So at about 10 days old, Caleb had open-heart surgery, and they had to break him open, swap the the vessels, seal him up, and uh, hey, he's here today. But I can remember. I can remember being, as a, uh, being a father at that time. I would be willing to do about anything. I'd be willing to ask about anything of anybody if they could guarantee that they could take care of my boy, if they could make sure that he would be healthy. This man came to Jesus. He didn't know what Jesus was going to be able to do. He didn't know, uh, he believed that he thinks he knew what Jesus could do, but what was Jesus' response going to be? Was he even going to be able to get in among all the midst of all the people? Would he get Jesus alone? What he was asking was for Jesus to leave all those people and just come with him to take care of his need. That's what he was asking. That's a pretty big ask, but you know what? He asked it. He was desperate. He was desperate. You know, sometimes I just ask myself, how desperate am I for God to do something in my family, for God to do something in my life, that I would walk by faith with him? I'm so desperate for God to do something that I'm willing to beg him for it, that I'm willing to come and forsake all the things that I think are worth anything in my life, all the possessions, all the titles, all the authority, whatever it might be. I just need to come before God and beg God to do something for my family. When's the last time I've ever done that as a father? This father forsook all that was good in the name of society. He, he said, I don't even care about all that. I'm coming to Jesus, and I'm going to beg for him to do something. His faith was courageous because he was desperate. His faith was courageous because it was a faith that sought the miraculous. I think sometimes we get so caught up into, into thinking that Ah, things are just so mundane. Oh, God could never resolve this problem in my home. God could never resolve this financial difficulty. God could never repair this relationship. And so we just stop seeking God to do anything in them. We just stop. He was not only desperate, but he, complete, he clearly expressed a belief that Christ could heal his son. To do what no one else could, which was basically bring his son back to life. 
Again, he was a nobleman of the house of Herod. Uh, He was not a Jewish person. So perhaps he didn't really know all the stories that the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees would oftentimes talk about of Moses and the Red Sea. And look at the miracles of this God. Or of David slaying Goliath. And look at the miracles of this God. Or Gideon with 300 fighting all the Midianites. And look at the miracles of this God. This man may not have known any of those miracles of God. Perhaps he didn't know any of the stories that the Jewish people went through. Any of the things that God took them from and brought them through and overcame for them. He may not have known anything. But you know what he did know? That Jesus Christ was someone that was different that was someone that claimed to be Messiah, that claimed to be God, and that Jesus could do something. You know, we have the luxury today of reading the word of God and seeing all the miracles God has done. We have have all the luxury to say, holy cow, look at all this stuff that Jesus did throughout all of history. Oh my goodness, he is so amazing. He's so miraculous, and yet I can't go to him for my needs. I can't go to him to say, God, help me overcome the sin that's in my life. God, help me by faith to uh, raise my kids as I ought to raise my kids. Lord, help me by faith uh, to be faithful in church and be committed to being in church. And, and Lord, help me by faith to have priorities that put you at the center of it. I can't ask him to do those things, right? I mean, he only does these big, uh, gigantic, miraculous things of life-saving things. No, he does miracles every single day. This man came to me and said, I believe you can do a miracle. I'm desperate. I need you to do something. He had this bold, courageous faith. He knew he was someone different. Someone that could do a miracle. I've asked myself this question several times as a dad. How will my kids grow up in this world and still follow Christ? How will they lead a safe and peaceful life? I think about this when my son goes to work. What if he's got a coworker that is adamantly against the things of Christ? Is he safe? How will they take a stand for Christ when there are so many that are not? And the truth is, I have no idea. I really don't. I I don't have the best answers to give them. I don't know the best, perfect guidance to say, you're going to stand for Christ one day, and here's exactly how you do it. Here's the scenario. You know what it's going to take? Faith. It's going to take faith to say, God, this is how you're telling me to raise my kids. I'm going to raise my kids like this. And I'm going to have faith that you're going to help them follow you. Uh, Lord, it's going to take some faith to just trust that they they need to go out into this world and they need to be a light in this world and you're going to have to protect them and you're going to have to guide them and you're going to have to be the one to guide their life because I can't do that for the rest of their life. It's going to take faith. And you know what? Quite honestly, it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a miracle. Do I believe God can do miracles? You know what's interesting is that this man came in verse number 47. He says, would you come down and heal my son? For he was at the point of death. He's at the point of death. Would you come down? Do you know what Jesus' response there is in verse number 48? Jesus said unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. You know what Jesus actually is doing here is he rebuked the man. He rebuked the man and said, you know what, to be honest, all you, wanna, you just want me to come down there so that you can see something. And then that's the point in time you'll believe. Like a Thomas, right? Thomas didn't want to believe until he could see and feel. Oh, no, you're, listen, I don't even think you genuinely believe. I don't really think you're serious about this. And you know what the man's response was? The man didn't cower away. The man didn't say, okay, that's the answer of Jesus. I guess my, no, no, no. You know what he did? He employed, implored more. 
he said then, he didn't even address the rebuke. He didn't even say, no, you're right. No, no, no. He just said, sir, respectfully, sir, come, come, come down ere my child die. You know what he says? He says, sir, master, uh, a person of high regard, just come or else my son's going to die. You might be right. Your rebuke might be right on, but I don't have time to address that. And I don't have time to, I truly just believe that you could come down and do something for my son. You know what? God doesn't always give us the answer we want immediately. Sometimes it takes steps of faith in something, not just a step. It doesn't just always mean uh, the first time I ask, okay, God granted that. Oh, yeah, my faith is uh, growing. Great. Sometimes your faith requires growing over time and over time and over ask and over ask. But as God sees your genuine belief and as God sees your genuine trust in him, maybe that's when God will answer. Maybe that's when God will give direction. But he demonstrated a courageous faith. He was desperate. He was seeking the miraculous. He knew that this God could do something, that this Christ could heal his son. And he was willing to do whatever it would cost. Number two, not only did he demonstrate a courageous faith, he demonstrated a compliant faith. A compliant faith. What does it say there in verse number 50? Now Jesus gives a second response. Jesus saith unto him, go thy way, thy son liveth. Now listen, if I was 16 miles away from home and I knew it was going to take me probably a day, day and a half to get home, I'd probably say, well, got any proof? Can you just come with me just in case he needs like another resurrection? Could you come with me in case he needs just a little bit more medicine of whatever you gave him? Could you just come and make sure? Because, Lord, if I go all the way home and he, and he gets sick again, I might not be able to find you here again. You know, sometimes we get direction from the Lord and then it's like, yeah, is that really what I should do? Is that really what I should follow? But look what the man did. The, Bible, the verse says there, and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. It was going to take him probably a day and a half to two days to find out that his son actually really was healed and alive. But you know what? He believed him. He said, okay, I'll go. Jesus said, go, and the man said, okay, I'll go. You know what faith is? Faith is not just saying, okay, God, I understand your word, and I do believe what your word says. It actually also means faith is to do it. You know how I demonstrate faith to God? I do what he tells me to do. If I don't demonstrate faith, if I don't do what he tells me to do, then what is my faith? James chapter 2 talks about that. Your faith without works is dead. That is not talking about salvation. That is talking about someone that is saved, that they should naturally have a life that demonstrates the works of their faith. And so if I don't follow after works that demonstrate my faith, in the eyes of people, my faith is what? Dead. It's empty. Now, in the eyes of God, if I truly have put my faith in him, yes, I still go to heaven. But in, in, in my life and in, in, in my spiritual walk, my faith is dead. It has no life. Why, when does it get life? It's when I do. James chapter 1 says, be hearers of the word, not hearers only, but what? Doers of the word. I don't mean to be real hard on, on fathers here today. Well, I kind of do because I'm kind of hard on myself. I wonder if more fathers would simply just be willing to say yes. 
to Christ and were willing to obey when it came to what their priorities were. What do I make a priority in my life? What hobbies take, take over versus being in church or spending time with my kids in the Bible? What kind of priorities within my job take precedence over raising my kids to have a spiritual walk? What in my ambitions or in my finances or in my entertainment or in my parenting, what takes priority over knowing that Jesus has told me to live a certain way, to follow a certain way, to do certain things, to be faithful in certain things? He has told me to do those things. Am I doing it? Am I demonstrating faith by saying, okay, Hebrews tells me to be faithful to the house of God. That means I've got to give up some other stuff. It's going to take some steps of faith to do it. But by doing it, you demonstrate faith. You know what? The Bible tells me to go share the gospel with someone. It might be difficult, but when I go and do it, I'm demonstrating faith that God's going to do something with that. In parenting my kids and raising my kids, man, it takes a lot of faith to believe that God is going to do something with me raising my kids, but I got to do it. And if I don't, then I'm not walking by faith. If I don't do it the way God tells me to do it, if I don't do it the way that Scripture tells me to do it, then I'm not walking by faith. And what we need is more fathers that will be like this man that says the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. Do you believe the words that Christ has spoken? Do you believe them today? Here, I'll give you a few things that the word of God says, specific to fathers. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to turn there, you can turn there with me. I'm going to read a little bit of a passage here. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 7. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that they, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Are we teaching our kids these things? Are we loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our might? Hey, we're commanded to love God above everything else, do we? Hey, you want to walk by faith? Here's something you ought to do. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As fathers, we have a command of God to raise up our kids. And not just nurturing and admonition, but of the Lord. Do you? Does God have a say in how you raise your kids? Does God have a say in... In, and what your kids uh, are taught and how they are, are taught to act and how they're taught to, to walk and, 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 and talk and read Scripture and grow in the Lord, is that part of your nurturing? Hey, that's what you're commanded to do. Jesus' word, do you believe it and do it? Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Are we training our kids? 1 Timothy 5.8, Talks about if a man, uh, if he provide not for his own house, he's like an infidel. 
Are you providing for your home? Are you providing for the needs of your family? Proverbs 13, 24 talks about disciplining our children. Psalm 103, 13 talks about having pity on our children as the Lord has pity on us. Do you have compassion for your kids? Do you have a compassionate heart to their needs and to their concerns and to their, uh, 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 their growth and development? Again, as men, sometimes it's hard to do that. Just be tough. Just grow up and deal with it. Do we have compassion? Listen, these are just a few things that specifically those passages talk about fathers. Talk about the idea of what a father's role is. Listen, if I'm going to walk by faith in my life and walk by faith as a father, have faith like this guy did, I should say, hey, I've heard Jesus' word. I need to do it. I've heard what Jesus has told me to do. I ought to do it. Doesn't mean it's easy. Jesus has enough to say about what we should do as fathers. Do we go and do as he says? This man was so desperate and wanting to see God heal his son, he would do whatever it took. Will we be so desperate in our faith to see God work for our homes that we're willing to be obedient in any aspect that Jesus tells us to obey in? Are we willing? Number three here, not only did he have a courageous faith, he had a compliant faith, and then lastly, when he demonstrated his faith, it was contagious. It was contagious. Look at the end of that chapter there, John chapter 6, or John chapter 4. He says this, And as he was going down, his servants met him, verse 51, and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth and himself believed in his whole house. It is interesting that the man didn't just say, you know, he's coming home, and these guys obviously had already started this journey. It was the seventh hour on the prior day, so we know that this man had already been traveling some time as well. So he's made his way, started to make his way back. These guys are actually starting, and they meet somewhere along this journey together. And he's saying, hey, thy son liveth. And he doesn't just mean liveth as in, hey, he's still breathing, He's still got to overcome this, but he might be on the tail end. No, no. The word liveth has the idea of like abundant, like full life, full health. He, he has no signs of this disease or whatever it was. He is fully living, your son. I mean, he's completely recovered. And the dad didn't just say, oh, that's awesome. Cool. Okay, I got to get to work. All right? I got to get to work, uh, but I'm glad he's doing better. I'll come check on him. Or he didn't just say, okay, well, then let's stop and do some things on the way home. i got to run some errands, and then we'll all get home together. No, no, no. The first thing he did is he said, well, tell me a little bit more details about what happened. When did he start getting better? Well, he, got, he started getting better about the seventh hour yesterday. And the father begins to think, that's the exact time I was talking to Christ. And he said, that, that, go home and thy son liveth. That's the exact same time. And he begins to, I believe, share this with those servants. And he begins to share that God did what he said he did, and he did it before I even had to get home and see it. He did it before I even had to walk in the door. He did it at the moment he said it. And it says he believed and his household. I believe these servants. I believe when he got home, he began to share this testimony. He began to tell them about how his, his encounter with Christ and how he begged Christ and he, and he talked to Christ and he asked Christ to do something and how God, by his own word, said he would do it and how God did it. And the whole entire house believed. 
the whole entire house believed. It was contagious. When he walked by faith, when he saw God do a work in his life, when he saw God do what God said he would do, when he saw God follow through, when he, when he put his trust in Christ and, and Christ did exactly what he said he would do, this man shared that faith with his family. That man shared that with those around him, and it was contagious, and they all believed. You know, this man could teach his son someday to be a carpenter or even a lawyer, be an accountant, perhaps drive a chariot, how to date other Roman girls, what education would ever be like. But the greatest lesson that this man gave to his son was this lesson of faith. The greatest lesson this man could give was to show this, his son that faith in God means something. That God works when we have faith in him. Our kids, our boys, our daughters, they don't need dads who can just teach them how to work hard. They don't need dads that can just teach them how to interact in society. They don't need dads that can just teach them how to change flat tires. They don't need dads that can just teach them uh, how to fend for themselves or how to stick up for themselves. Or They don't need dads to do that. You know what these kids need? Is they need dads that will walk by faith. And they need dads that can share stories of how God continues to work in their life through that faith. Because I think that's what would influence our households. That's what influenced this man's household. Being a nobleman wasn't what was going to necessarily be what these kids needed, what this son needed. It didn't have anything to do with how this son would turn out, him being a nobleman. Who cared? You know what made a difference for this son was that his dad had faith. And I think our homes, we just desperately need dads who will exercise bold and obedient faith in Christ. Take him at his word, follow him, and allow him to impact the raising of our homes, the influencing of our homes, the influencing of our jobs. Maybe there's some that your kids are already older, out of the house. Maybe you've already raised some adult children, and so you're not really in that phase of, of raising. Hey, you can still encourage them. You can still uh, 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 influence them to still be a light for Christ and to walk by faith in their lives and demonstrate that in how you're walking by faith. Maybe grandkids. Maybe you've got some grandkids. You should still share stories and tell them about how God is working and how God is using you and how God is, uh, when you have faith in him and how God is answering and working on your behalf as you follow him. That's what our kids need to see. There's a lot of other things that could influence them. Are they influenced by our faith in Christ? I talked a little bit last week in Sunday school about my own dad. So uh, my dad passed away uh, almost 16 years ago in October uh, through an accident. And um, you know, I look back and I say, what did my dad teach me? And I could tell you, my dad taught me how to work hard. He made us work hard in anything that we did. Um, I can tell you my dad taught us to get involved in athletics and stuff. He wasn't the most athletic person, but he tried to get us encouraged just to do different things and feel out the abilities that God had given us and do these different things. God, uh, he taught us how to do some basic things around, you know, fixing up the house and fixing up a car. And, and uh, my dad taught me how to uh, treat his wife and and how he treated my mom, and, and my dad taught me patience, a lot of patience he had with me, and um, I, I could just go on and on. My dad taught me all these things, but one of the first visions that comes to my mind when I think about my dad 
<clears throat> is, is going by his den, and the den door would be closed. And I would pop open that den door, because I thought maybe he was doing some work, maybe he was just reading a book or something. And he'd be on his knees, praying. When my dad passed, I found some notebooks. He liked to ride bikes, and he would keep this journal, and he'd write in this journal just about his day. Had a hard, hard ride today, a lot of wind, but my heart rate got to this, and my distance was this. He would just write these things, but he'd almost always write just something personal. Today, I had this song in my heart as I was riding. He would sing. My dad had a horrible voice, but he would sing while he was riding because nobody could tell him to stop. And I would read this notebook, and I would read things where he'd say, Praying for my aunt today, that she'd be saved. Or praying for so-and-so. Or thinking about Tish, she's got this going on at work. Or thinking about my boys at school, at college, or whatever it might be. And I thought, <clears throat> sadly, the first vision that my kids have of me is probably not that. It's probably not me praying or reading my Bible. It's probably not something related to church. It's probably something much more temporal and worthless and vain. And sadly, that is happening all across our churches. That is happening all across where men of faith have just abandoned walking with God and following God by faith. And we've just decided to go our own way and do it our own way to raise our kids and we're raising kids to be good workers. But are we raising them to be good Christians and good people for the Lord, to serve the Lord and to walk by faith? I just challenge you as dads today, what is it that your kids will see 10, 20 years from now that you influence them with? What is the greatest influence that you're giving to your kids and I trust and pray that we would have faith like this man had. Forsake all other things. I need to raise my kid. I need to, I need to heal my son. Listen, we need to heal our homes. And I do believe that we could heal society if we would start with Christian fathers, Christian mothers, working together to raise kids that would walk by faith. But they have to see it in us first.